Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Josh Spodek. I'm here with Cassiano Loriano. Loriano, did I say it right? <laughs> Cassiano Laureano, yes. Yeah, Laureano, but you know, in English you go with Laureano. It works okay. just nice. The, the listeners couldn't see the look in his eye of like, Loriano, like he's like, that's not how it's said. <laughs> try, to, try to mimic the accent. Back when I was flying, one of my last trips was to a friend of mine is Brazilian, and we had a. I went to his wedding in. Um, oh, what was mm-hmm. that island called? It's off of Recife. Ris, what's an island on the, the Recife? Near Recife, there's an island called Recife. Okay. Anyway, there's a bunch of island there. Yeah. Okay. I won't know for sure. I really. I'm from the south, man. Okay. I went there, and just hearing the accent was. Oh, I loved it. It was really an amazing. I, I love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I have to tell you that I've gotten more feedback from your first conversation than, than usually I get the most feedback for famous people. And you're famous, but not as famous mm-hmm. as like some of the people I've had. Of course, of course. Because that usually gets more listened. I'm still, I'm a normal guy. I'm a normal guy. <laughs> well, uh, a normal guy with a world record. Yeah. But I think that, you know, uh, by being less high end uh, than those people, I think people can relate more to you, you know? That it's I'm actually doing something that it is achievable for anyone that has the right mindset to do it, you know. So when in those sports, NFL, baseball, you need a certain talent, something that is that's born with you, you know. So it is when you do something that is quite normal as the world record that I did, people can relate because it is doable. Anyone can do it, literally, as long as they are willing to go through the journey, you know. If I read you right, to be a basketball player, if you're not seven feet tall, it's tough to be very good at that. If you're not uh, in... Yeah, exactly. Sim- similar in baseball, they're pretty... I mean, I think if you look at players back decades ago, they weren't as big as now, but I think now they're pretty big. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, every... So if you pay attention to all sports, the best body type to be a sport, to be a, a professional athlete is... People that are lean and long, they have long muscles. So for any 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 sports, the best players in uh, sports, the best fighters, they all have that uh, similarity on their body. They're all long, and they're all lean. So it becomes a little bit harder to relate to them, you know, being a, a normal person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, burp. Anyone can do burpee. I mean, it's a bodyweight exercise. And are you also talking about MMA that, um, is there a specific body type or, I mean, are there advantages? No, no, there's not. There's not, it is better to be long and lean. It is better. Definitely. I like John Jones, for example. It's a very good example of it. The, the longer you are, better your body will behave because you need less oxygen to move, you know, big muscles. You need a lot of oxygen to move all those big muscles. So muscle, big, big muscles are really not good for exercises or for sports that you need endurance. And remembered, oh, was, the island was called Fernando de Noronha. Fernando de Noronha. That sounds much better when you say it. It's a beautiful island. Fernando de Noronha. Never been there though, but uh, I heard a lot about it. I mean, from, from the country, it's, it's supposed to be very, very nice. It is beautiful. And going back to the comments that I get, I think the comments, were, I think the appeal might've been world record mixed martial artists. That's very interesting. Then, but I think what the appeal was, you your transition from I don't really know what I want to do to the enthusiasm of planting a plant. That I think was what caught people. You were pretty raw. 
I mean, you weren't hiding anything. A lot of people, I mean, I think people, when they're sharing their versions of your growing up on a farm are pretty open, but your enthusiasm, I think, was infectious. I think people really... Yeah. You know what ended up happening? I'm very curious. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that next week, um, I went to the... It's a, kind of a flower shop. It's a big one, actually. Uh-huh. It is uh, where they... How can I explain that? We have a lot of flower shops and you know plant shops in, in the city, right? They all got from this one. This is like the air, uh, warehouse where they got their flowers from and their everything plant-related. It's a huge place. So a distributor? Yes, yes. They are one of the main distributors for flowers and plants here in Singapore. And it's 10 meters from my home. So I went there the next week, right? And then the uncle, he only speaks Chinese. <laughs> it was really hard. It was really hard. So we're communicating. And then he suggested that we get a bonsai. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. That sounds hard. Remember Karate Kid? Yeah, like the little trees. Yeah, so that's what happened. So I really, you know, I never thought about it, but immediately the movie came into uh-huh. my mind and the scene of Danielson on the, on the mountain cutting that bonsai and Mr. Miyagi taking care of it. I related to that and I said, that's it. I know it's, I'm not growing a plant, but I'm taking a very good care of, a very hard one to take care of. A very expensive one, though, you know. So, yeah, that's what happened. I got a bonsai. I feel like this is diving in the deep end. Oh, yeah, man. It just, when he said it, I was like, what? You have that here? So said, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I need that. Because it just, you know, brought me back to the 80s, to the movie. And then uh, I'm like, oh, man, this is just perfect. It's just a perfect starting point for me, you know, to get interested in that kind of thing. Because those are plants that are very very hard to take care of. And so I'm, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning a lot. I'm researching and uh, I put it inside here, you know, and I put it outside and I cut it. And then you have to shave it, give new haircuts and all that, you know, super awesome. I think I once heard you have to dunk the whole thing underwater. Do you have to do that? Or is that something I did? No, no, no. That That's not the case for mine. It's very different both sides, you know. I'm not an expert. I just started learning about it. So don't take anything that I say serious, <laughs> okay? Uh-huh. I'm just just figuring things out. I figured out that mine has a scar, you know, that lost a branch before, which I didn't like it. <laughs> I feel like you said it's very hard, but I feel like it's very, the way I think of it is very focused or very like attentive, like it's a labor of love. You need to give a lot of attention to it. And if you want to shape it in the, in the shape that you want, mm-hmm. Uh, if you want the new leaves to grow in a certain direction, but if you want to make it bigger, smaller, there's a lot of things that you can do, which I'm learning, you know. They're not very sensitive plants. They can take a lot, you know, take a lot of sun, a lot of water. But to make it look very nice is quite hard. It's quite hard. You need a lot of attention and not a lot. You need to really take care of it. Every night before I sleep, I put it inside by my, in my, in my bedside thing here. I put it inside. And then when I wake up, I leave it there. So when I go back, come back from the first class, then I put it outside again. But I like sleeping it with, with the thing inside here. Can you walk me through the process? You said at first, you're like, what? And then do you remember the stages of your thought process? If there were, or did it just flip? Yes. No, I remember perfectly. You're taking a big responsibility. Yes. 
Yeah, what was that process? I got that right. When he said, I, I look at that and I said, I think he got a glance of me staring at the tree. It's a little tree, right? And I was, I was not sure what it was, but I didn't say anything. So he said, oh, that's a bonsai. I don't know the right pronunciation. In Portuguese, it would be bonsai, but I don't know exactly how is the pronunciation. And then I was like, really? And he says, yes. So the first thing that came to my mind, I kid you not, was the scene of Daniel San with uh, his girlfriend that are uh, hanging by the rope that at the at this uh, cliff and they're cutting a bonsai to replace a bonsai from the Master Miyagi shop was the first thought that came to my mind. And I'm like, holy moly, that's cool. Then I came back to the scenes of Mr. Miyagi cutting the little tree and he observing it. You know, it was straight, straight related to the movie. And it just made a lot of sense to me. Because, yeah, that's what I do, you know. I, I fight as well. I have a lot of discipline, you know. Maybe that thing would take a lot from me and I would take a lot from it, you know. So I started learning about it. I immediately fell in love with it. Immediately. I was like, yeah, that's it. That's what I want. I didn't even ask anything. It took 30 seconds for me to process it and tell him that's it. So just choose the one you got it. When you said you, you have to give a lot and you get a lot, what did you anticipate giving? What, what does it give back? You give a lot of attention, a lot of thought or how you want that to, that to grow, how you want it to look. And, you know, I never stopped uh, myself. I never stopped in front of a plant or of a tree and reflected about how I want that to, how I want that to, to look good or how I want that to, to grow in front of me, you know, like, uh, it is kind of like a child, you know, I just never stopped in front of a plant and thought about a lot of things, you know, it makes you reflect a lot when I stop on it. Sometimes I spend an hour in front of it, just looking at it, taking one little piece of it, you know, cutting this, changing the, the sand, and then you just spend time with it, you know, and that, uh, I think anytime that you think a lot, that you reflect on all sorts of things, you learn. Yeah, there's not a lot of things that make people stop and think about things in general. People are always moving, 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 reacting. They're never, they're most likely they don't stop and think about things, you know, the way that the world is today. I'm sure you know that because you seem to be a much of a, th- a big thinker. So, yeah. When we talked the first time, You talked about, there's a few things that I I wonder if this touches on. One was you talked about cities and how people have lost touch. And another was your description of life on the farm and what it meant, the mountains in the distance and the snow. And I wonder if, was that part of your decision-making process, those things? Because I'm hearing that even though you're in the city now, this is a connection to nature that transcends. I mean, you're in the city, but you, you have a connection that, is it like the farm? Is it? Does it address that? That's a perfect description. That's perfect. I to see see someone from outside has a better way to see to see to see it than myself. Now that you said that, it makes perfect sense. I never thought about it that way, but for sure it it's part of it. It was irrational. It, I just felt like, yeah, that's it. It was irrational, but now that you said that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It definitely makes me have a connection with it, with my hometown. 
yeah, for sure. Never thought about it that way. So thank you. Well, I'll say you're welcome because you said thank you, but it's, it's, uh, all I did was ask you questions the first time and invite you to think of something. I mean, this is one of the reasons for this podcast and for this technique, which is now called the Spodek method is I used to think I'm doing leadership. I'm practicing leadership and leading people to do something that they want to do. And I thought that what I'm doing is trying to access intrinsic motivation rather than extrinsic. Most people say, you know, the world is all going to end. So here's what you have to do, but that's not in people's hearts. Yes. Well, the more I do this podcast and I actually, I, I do this outside the podcast as well. I do workshops and I just friends and family. I, I do this with them. One of my biggest discoveries is that everyone has it in them. There are lots of different issues in the world right now that are people have different views on and they're coming from different places in their hearts, but everybody has a connection to nature that is deeply meaningful to them. And in our world today, it's less than it could be. It's less than it used to be for our ancestors. And to restore that, that something that's in everyone is, it doesn't have to be something big, but it's always something meaningful. Yes, that's absolutely true. It's like you said, uh, and the other time about, um, the environment and all that, and uh, you don't need to do big things. You need to do your own part. And uh, about this in particular, you, you are right. And me, and me, I, ha- I have that connection more than others because I was brought up like, like that. I was brought up in, in you know in a farm and with horses and all that. So it just it, it was just uh, it just made perfect sense to me when you said when you suggested for me to you know to. Get in touch with that. You didn't tell me what to do, right? You just, you merely suggested for me to get in touch with it again, with nature. And then I was like, yeah, you know, let's grow a plant. And to grow a plant, it turned into a bonsai. And yeah, I have you to thank for that <laughs> because it's really, it's really nice for me. It's, it's making a lot of, a lot of wonders for myself, you know, that I'm always here alone and all that. So I have the little tree. I always put her inside. <laughs> uh, let me let me show. Let, let me let yeah, me get please, it. So please send pictures so I can All put right. them up so people can see. No, no, I'll get it. I'll show you now. Just give me a second. Okay. So while he's getting it, he's off of view right now, and I'll just narrate that. But I'm still. I still can talk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he can hear me. Yeah, because yeah. he's using wireless. Yeah, I'm wearing my butt. There you go. Yeah. And I hear him walking over. Yeah, getting back. There oh, there it go. is. Yeah, so let, let me change the, the camera. The camera, boom! It's a, it's a little tree, and it's got like a little rock garden around it, and yes, there's so much detail. I mean, am I right? It's a full tree, but they've grown it to be tiny. Yes, it's a bonsai. Yes, it's a, and it's all the a, roots are outside it, the outside. Are those roots above the dirt? Those are roots. Yes, those are roots. So that's by design, I take yes. it. Yes. No, this this is one of the because you have, have many many kinds of bonsai. This is one of the the kinds. You know, I, I really don't know how to explain better than that. I'm not an expert. I'm learning yet as much. Yeah. So see this one here. Uh-huh. This one I want to grow another branch here. So I have to take care of this part. Here I have had a scar. See, yeah, he lost a uh, lost a branch before, which I had no idea. I learned reading. <laughs> I had no idea about it. It almost has a human shape to it because some of the branches look like they're reaching up like hands or like arms. Yes. So see, it was fuller. So 
I want to separate this part here. Here, I want to separate to create like like a U shape, like like this. Uh-huh. But then I have to slowly cut this side, this side. So you got yeah, you got to wait. You can't make it do stuff. It's I, this is one of the things I love about nature is that you can't. Yeah, but it's, force it takes it. years and years and years. Yeah. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, I know the plant looks better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah. I mean, I have to, I can't disconnect the plant because I'm not, I'm only seeing it in 2D. I'm not seeing the full thing. I'm not seeing the colors that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me turn some more lights on. Yeah. And it's impossible for me not to connect your passion with it. Like, I can't look at this tree without thinking of you and how you're describing it. Yeah, of course. Of course. As well as the guy, I'm, I'm picturing also some distributor and some guy who knows he I, i'm assuming the guy knows business but he also probably knows plants and everything he probably knows every plant that he sells yeah that's true the, uh, the uncle that sold me you had literally hundreds and hundreds of plants and seeds and everything there uh, he knew everything about it everything about and then he gave me i asked him about a few ones before i get the bonsai right but then he got me looking at it then he Sure, that's a bonsai. I didn't even ask, but he knows every every everything about how to raise and everything. It was just a hard conversation because he was Chinese speaker. You know, for me, I like to make. If you look over at my windowsill, I have a, a jalapeno plant that I yes. forgot that I put the seeds in last year. I was I just put a bunch of seeds in the dirt to see if they grow, and they didn't. I figured whatever, and then this year. I get wheat or I get things that just grow and usually I pull them out. But one thing grew and I was like, I just let this one grow. And it turned out to be a jalapeno plant. And so first it was green and now it's bright red and I don't have a lot of them growing. <laughs> and so for me, I want something I can eat. Although it's a big challenge because I'm going to have to eat it, but I, I like seeing it. So I can't, you know, have my cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah. I want to move on to that. He, he suggested me to get some, cherry tomatoes mm-hmm. to grow. So I am I am thinking about how can I fit that here. So I've been thinking about it to add that too. Because it should be awesome. Like you said, you know, it was something that, that you eat. It's like, how can I say that? Again, in a farm, you raise animals, right? To eat, right? If you're a vegan and uh, you, you don't like that, Part of life, but it is how it is, right? We, I've been like, I've been brought up like that, raising chickens, and then eventually, you know, eating the eggs and eating the chicken as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think that with a plant, that 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 would come like it com- almost comes like full circle, you know. You are raising that little thing, and that is gonna give something back to you as well. Yeah, as much as you give it to it, you know, like actually physically, it will give you something back. You know, not like my little tree that what I get from it is not palpable. What I get from it is different, you know? So when, like you say, the jalapeno, you will get nutrients from it, you know? It's like saying thank you to you. It will become me, literally become me. Exactly. It's like full circle, right? Well, yeah, the way you put it, I I think the more that I talk to you and hear you, the more I'm realizing, I hear an initial value, but I'm I'm hearing more subtle values as well that I I accept your thanks more now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can't understand what again. Man. We've mostly been describing the, the give and take and the, the physical thing. 
What about the emotions? What what emotions did you feel? And you know, give me the whole journey going back from when before you went to the store when we had the, our initial conversation to you know at the store to bring it home. Yeah. So just let me clarify here. I'm um how can I say that? It might, it might sound bad, but I'm uh, I'm more of a I'm not a very emotional person. I'm more of a, a straight up how do you say the word in English? Rational person. Uh-huh. Okay, so the fact that the fact that I uh, think about the things that this plant is giving me, about all about this uh, give and take that we just spoke about, it doesn't have emotional roots for me. It's I'm speaking in a rational way that's actually working in my brain. So for me, it would be hard to describe it to you how I felt because I don't feel a lot. I, I'm, I'm like that by default, you know, but it gives me joy if that works, you know, and it makes more to me, rationally speaking, that makes me to get philosophical about it, you know, when I'm thinking and seeing the life coming out of it and seeing my life, making analogies and all that, you know. Uh, it's hard for me when people uh, come up with a feeling topic because it's, I'm a bit weird about it, you know. I'm just like that. You know? I think that is what allows me to to accomplish the things that I do because I can disconnect the pain. I can disconnect the need of eating something that I cannot because my emotions grow very, very, very low on, on, on my brain, you know. I'm going to try something out here because I, I suspect that people are listening and saying, oh, he's got emotional, right? I think you're, no. <laughs> you're, cause here's what I'm hearing. And I could be, you know, I'm, I'm not you, you know, you're you. Of course. But I'm hearing wonder and I'm hearing curiosity and I'm hearing joy, as you said. There's also a strong warmth that I'm picking up and caring and even some vulnerability. Cause you're, I mean, you take on a big responsibility. You could, it must have crossed your mind that you could, you could mess up and the plant could die. And I think that you would feel very hurt if that, I feel, I I anticipate you'd feel a sense of loss if that would happen. So you're risking that. And that level of responsibility, how long does a bonsai live? I would guess a hundred years. I mean, probably longer. Uh, Years and years and years. I would not know to tell you for certain. I read read about it, but it's a lot lot of of years, a lot of years. So that's a lot of responsibility. Honestly, I don't remember. And I'm also wondering, like, you probably didn't think about it until after you bought it, but I mean- if you no. travel or if you move, do you take it with you? Do you give it to, or do you find someone you can give it to who will properly care for it? No, it, no, it's coming. It's coming it's with, with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's, uh, yeah. No, I understand what I mean. And I see how can, how that can come across, but it's hard for me to explain. It's really, it's really a sensitive subject for me. It's hard for me to explain how, how things run through my mind, you know, when it comes to feelings, the best thing that I can describe is when I was doing my record, for example, that I had to disconnect from my pain Mm -hmm. because, or I wouldn't do it, you know, so that everything that I've been doing in my life, being away from my family and all that, that lack of emotions, Mm -hmm. like war, like uh, hard emotions, like people feel homesick and they cry and all that, that, that doesn't happen to me, you know, although I, I would prefer to be with them, obviously, for obvious reasons, they're my family. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, I don't react the same way that people do. I don't know how to explain. It's very hard for me to explain how that goes to me, you know, inside of me. Okay. I don't have that uh, homesick feeling and that crying and getting highs and lows. I feel like I'm always in the same line. I'm always under control. Yeah, it's always been like that for me. Because again, I've been always by myself. Let's go to the relationships then. Because you talked about, if this connects you with your home and growing up, I would guess it would connect you with the relationships with your family. But I, I wonder, have you told people about it? Is it something that you're, does this affect your relationships? No, no, it doesn't. Have you brought anyone over to see it or have you shown it off? I, I'm picturing, I couldn't imagine not having people over and be like, check this out. Yeah, nice. No, That's me. Okay, I, I'm not that weird thing about me. I don't have a lot of people coming. But yes, I took pictures. I bragged about it online. <laughs> you know, like I'm not someone that's very active online, but I had to. You know, everything that I do, I do quiet, you know, by myself. The other day I went to the gym in a Sunday, last weekend. Uh-huh. And I just did 2,000 burpees without stopping in two hours and 41. And I'm like, I think I want people to know that, you know? So then I posted, you know, and everybody was calling me crazy, you know? So yeah, it kind of is the same thing. Oh, you know, check this plane. It's freaking beautiful. And yeah, I'm taking care of it, you know? Boom, in your face. You know, yeah, I did that. <laughs> and yeah, yesterday I had some, some friends over downstairs to have a beer. They were having a beer and all that. And then, yeah, I showed the plane to them. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you bring it down? Did you bring them up? Uh, yeah, I brought it down. What did they say? And then how did it feel inside to to watch them, to to get their reaction? I, just funny because it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, if you see me in person, I'm like, I'm a tough looking guy, you know, mm-hmm. like, but I'm, I'm a very calm person in the end of the day. I'm a very calm person that thinks a lot and people that don't know me very deeply, they don't see that kind of thing coming from me, you know? They expect me to be a freaking caveman or something, you know? <laughs> you know? So they're like, what? That's, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't. people get just surprised with, when they find out things that I like, you know? A lot of things that I like, they're not common for like badass fighters, that kind of thing. Yeah, they got surprised and they're like, ah, you know, like one of them, that is so cool. You know, one of them was, yeah. <laughs> That's, How did that feel for you? Were you letting something out? Were they seeing a part of you, some nuance and subtlety that they weren't used to? Did that? I like to look at uh, surprising faces, you know, <laughs> because I don't open up a lot to people. Yeah. So when I open a little bit, they're like, what? Really? It's like, yeah, man. Yeah, that's me. That's me that you don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. I keep a lot to myself. Well, I have to say, someone who I haven't, I haven't really followed that much, but he's huge, so huge, Mike Tyson. And he's got his birds. I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen him with them, just like a picture or two here or there. But I feel like there's also a caring inside him. Do you know about this? Did he- I knew that he had a tiger. <laughs> I knew that he had a tiger and that's about it. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He had a freaking tiger. All right. You knew that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it does. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It, it seems like that would fit him. <laughs> yeah, but that was a while back, though. Yeah, I think he takes care of pigeons on a rooftop. And it's kind of like the movie On the Waterfront from the 50s. I don't know if you've ever seen it, which is uh, also about a boxer. Oh, I haven't. Did you check that movie out that I told you? 
Which movie? Probably not. Uh, the one with the Ed Vedder uh, soundtrack. Man, how the hell did I forget about the name? I told you, you said that you would watch it, that the guy, he flees from his family and then he starts living in the nature, nature oh, um, in African. Yeah, like, uh, I didn't see it. I even remember the name of the guy, John Krakauer. Okay, just let me get here one second. John Krakauer, this guy here. Into the Wild. Into the Wild. You said you would watch it. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, you are bad. See, I have, I have my plans. Then we have to do a third episode, and I'll tell you about the movie. <laughs> to talk about the movie, yeah. definitely. I'm telling you that that is that was that is something else. Remember, we speaking about the about the soundtrack, Ed Vedder soundtrack, and all that. Yeah, and I talked about did you meet Eddie Vedder or something like that. Yes, yeah. yes, something like that. Yes. Okay, so after we're done with this, I'm going to send you a message again, reminding you about the movie. Okay. Uh, he, I, you may be referring to, like, he, he and I setting up this one. There was a lot of emails to set up this, this call because we're, what, 12 time zones apart? Yes, 12 hours. Because uh, last weekend I had that, that, that um, uh, unexpected thing that I need to attend mm-hmm. uh, at the gym. Then, uh, yeah. Now, I wanna, so now we're here. I want to go back to what we were talking about before we hit record. You and I started chatting and I said, oh, don't say, don't say that. I want to get that recorded. And I had mentioned mm. how um, I've had a bunch of athletes as guests because I think athletes are, you know, we as humans lack role models of people who are acting in stewardship. And I think athletes are tremendous role models. I mean, they don't have to be if they don't want to be. I think of like Charles Barkley was like, I'm not a role model. I'm a basketball player. You, you know, your parents are role models. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, we look up to athletes. So I was just emailing with uh, Brent Suter, who's the pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I was going to email him about a different guest that I had, because I thought he would really like this other guest. And before writing him, I looked up, like, how are the Brewers doing? Because I I haven't really followed them. And they're going into the playoffs. They're the top in the division. But he just got injured. So he's going to miss the next round. And it was just, I love these people who are, oh, he also almost, he was nominated for the Ribeiro Clemente Award, Clemente Award, which is one of the top honors in baseball for living the character of baseball. You know, not did your team win or not, but how are you as, as a person? Behave yourself out of the pitch. Yeah, and because he does so much environmental stewardship things, that's what it was. Anyway, so I wrote him, he wrote me back. He's like, yeah, the injury's like this. And he's like, you know, and I was like, oh, I love that. And then another guy I emailed because I was watching, he's in the NFL, a football player, and he had a, you know, had this catch to, he was pretty open, uh, dare I say wide open, and the, the quarterback threw it behind him, so he had to like kind of, he's running one way and has to reach back to get it. I imagine when he turns and looks at the end zone, it's so close, and yet in football, so hard to get there, because suddenly 11 guys want to tackle you, and, but he makes it into the end zone, and I just imagine that's got to be an amazing feeling, because to be a football player, probably... He had that in mind for a long, long time to be a football player, to score a touchdown in the NFL. Anyway, so I started saying that to you and you started talking about the experience of MMA. Oh, oh I, I talked about one, the one thing I talked to Brent about was being a pitcher. When you have the ball in the middle of a stadium of 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people, everyone's looking at you. You could mess up. You could do well. It's all, but you can't hide. I mean, you are bare. Everyone can see you. And there's something like that in MMA. I made the association to 
being half naked inside of a cage with someone as skilled as herself. So you know what that boils down to? Confidence. You need to be a confident person to do things like that. You need to, if you are not, you need to believe in our training. You need to put the time in. And usually athletes, they are willing to do that. Some are naturally, naturally talented and extremely confident human beings on everything in their lives. Some are not that confident. So they put a lot of time on, on uh, their craft, right? Because you know that training is a model of skill, right? So when you train that much or when you're skilled, everything outside of that pitch, it, it goes numb. It doesn't affect you. At least not me. And I, I believe that most of the athletes, they are on a different zone than the crowd. They are too zoomed in to what they have to do because they train their whole lives for that. After you're done, after the touchdown, after I knock the guy out, then you come back to a natural state. Then, yeah, it is the best feeling in the world. It is accomplishing something that is set out to do. A man, you know, a true man, it really feels good. There's nothing better. There's nothing better to it. I imagine that having a child must be better. You know, having your firstborn must be better than that. But other than having your first baby, I don't think that I would have any better feeling than when I finally accomplished something that I set out to do. And I'm sure those guys would tell you the same. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, it doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. So when you're walking into the ring or the octagon, you're not feeling it yet, right? It's when the bell rings and you start, or even when you start grappling? or It's when it stops. It's when it stops, man. When you're going in, you're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it works myself. I'm not there anymore. I'm not, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing the crowd. I'm not seeing the judge. I'm, I'm seeing the guy which is my goal, you know, when that guy received that ball and he was looking for, he was running for that touchdown. I'm telling you that he didn't even look at the people trying to tackle him. He looked at the freaking end zone, you know, the moment that he touched it down, that's when the release comes, you know, mm-hmm. that's when you, you, you realize the crowd and that you start feeling anything at all. You know, so for me in fighting, when, when I finish the fight that, you know, if I'm victorious, that's when I'm like, okay, that, that's cool. You know, <laughs> but when you're in there, you're in automatic mode. You're, you are just reacting. When you're in there, you are just reacting. You are just, is your training is speaking manifest is the manifestation of your training of your skills happening. Other than that, there's not much to it. There's not much consciousness into it, you know, not a lot. 
not it's not a normal state. You'll be in a freaking stadium, hundred thousand, fifty thousand people looking at you, you're in the center, you're playing miracle football, you're playing soccer or a baseball, you're not in a natural state. Or you're inside of a cage in front of millions of people in the TV. It's not a natural state. You're not your normal self in there. You cannot be, you know. So at, at least that's how I experience it. Well, for the record, that's how it worked as well. I was not fully there. I was, I was fully inside of my body and not seeing a lot of things around me. That's why I, I don't remember a whole bunch of it, for example. Do you remember any of your reactions? It's, so. Maybe you've pinned someone and it goes, and I guess the judge goes two, three. Uh, and then I'm picturing, you know, you've won. And do you jolt out of the, I, I'm just imagining you yeah, yeah, yeah. putting both hands up in the air and just. My, my last, my, my, one of my fights, right? So I was the underdog for that fight. And then we got into it and then uh, I got his back and I took him out. Right, I was choking him out, and the ref got my hands, pulled me out. I just pushed the guy away, and when I pushed, pushed it because I was in the back, I was choking him, uh-huh. and then I just pushed him away, and I went running around the, <laughs> the octagon and jumping, and you know, and then, uh, and then yeah, you know, there's a funny story about that. Let me tell you this: my first fight, I actually lost, okay, and then I won all the others straight. All of my fights after that are all wins. So uh, my first fight, I always, you know, saw the MMA and saw the guys like winning the fight and jumping in the octagon and going like, you know, on top of it, mm-hmm. literally on top of it. Right? Yeah, on the, the rail. Yeah. And like, man, I want to do that one day, you know? So I lost my first fight. I'm like, ah, damn, cannot do this one, obviously. So <laughs> my second fight, I happened to, to break my foot within like 10 seconds of the fight. Right, and the fight went on to the second round, but I have a broken feet, broken foot. Then eventually I drop the guy and I finish him with punches, and then the ref stops. Right, and the first thing that I see in front of myself is the cage. Oh yeah, I'm jumping on that. Uh-huh. So I came running, I stepped my right foot on the cage. When I stepped my left foot, I fell down <laughs> because it was broken. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, oh, damn, I cannot believe that. So I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it, you know. It had to be on my third fight. On my third fight, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that sounds even a little better. I mean, to that you couldn't do it because you broke your foot in the match. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's got a certain grittiness to it. Yes, I know. I, like I said, imagine if you're in a normal state. It won't keep walking with a broken foot. I had two broken bones in my foot. You won't even walk after it. And, and us athletes or fighters, we kept fighting. We kept playing despite the pain. You know, so if you're in a normal, if you are your normal self in there, that, that wouldn't happen. You know, the, the climax of the Karate Kid was also he had a broken foot or broken, uh, the guy broke his, his ankle or his, his knee. Yeah, he broke his, uh, I think it was his ankle in the end of it. That's why he threw that swamp kick. So, okay, so we got we got the makings of you. You got the bonsai, like Mr. Miyagi. You got the broken... Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're getting. <laughs> okay, I, I want to remember the name of the kick now. I think it's swamp kick or something like that. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, don't remember the name. But yeah, he broke and he goes like, what? 
Yeah. <laughs> Plus you're in, but you've, you've somehow made it from uh, Brazil to Singapore, which is like just about China. Yes. You're the karate kid. Come on. <laughs> now you got to wax Daniel some cars. Way, hey, they know sense way better looking than me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has long hair, you know, very charming. I'm a bald, ugly dude. <laughs> oh, you got a little charm to you still. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you talked about being half naked and this is really raw and vulnerable. And yes. And you talk about confidence. Something about you tells me that you were shy growing up and I, I could be wrong. And did you start confident um, or did you gain confidence? No, I was never shy. I was quiet. I am obviously not when we're interacting like you. You know, I when I'm interacting with someone in particular that I know that I have to interact, I talk. But in a normal in a normal uh, daily basis, I I rather be quiet. And coming up as a kid, I was also quiet. I, I manifested a lot of myself through my physicality through sports and through playing and even fighting where I'm, where I'm from, like, you know, the farmer, farming and small town, we fought a lot growing up, you know? So I did, I never manifested myself a lot through really speaking, but I always been a very, very confident person. It's just something that was born with, but not shy though, not shy, quiet, but not shy and never being shy, but there's something about it something extra about it you competing in front of people only in Africa and underwear basically you know <laughs> it's different <laughs> it's different you know uh, yeah that is we put the those tight shorts and uh, shirts off you know and open chest man uh, yeah you need some confidence to that I think that MMA is as close as it gets to a raw competition like I think it's men, since they are known as men, they fight, you know? So it's just natural of our species, I guess, fighting. It feels very base. It right? feels very rooted, very earthy. Yes. It's not contrived. Brutal, but not in a, without any of the negative connotations. I mean, glorious. No, but it, yeah, but uh, it's, uh, it's the truth, right? We've been, we've been at that forever. When you're talking about playing, I don't know if, if the right word is playing, but with a broken foot. And it, it reminded me that when I talk to people who are not athletic or even fit, let alone athletic, they often say, well, I can't because I have this injury. But when I talk to people who are fit, they have more injuries. Of course, of course. Again, we go back to the thing that we spoke before us being athletes and having something set, we set a goal for ourselves, right? Which is winning or, you know, playing for a team, whatever it is. We don't really measure uh, the consequences of it. What matters is the end game. So yeah, uh, the pain, it's not something that is enough to stop you from doing what you set out to do. So the pain doesn't really matter. The pain will still be there. If you, do, if you stop fighting, you know, so you might as well just fight it through it, you know, take up on it and deal with it later, right? If you still can perform, you perform. I'm a, I'm a big critic of people that let things like that get in their way, you know, when they're not very, 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 very serious that will impossibly, how do you say? In, incapacitated? Incapacitate you, yes. Like in my other fight, the fight that I told you that I choked the guy out 
and I went running, I broke my, my, my this bone here came out. Uh, so he showed me his thumb? On one of my first punches. Yeah, on my one of my first punches. Then I kick him inside the leg and I hit his groin and the fight stops for a bit. So I look and I see my bone. I'm like, huh, right? It was in national television, right? I'm like, huh, what am I going to do? So I tried to, to put my bone. I tried to put my bone back <laughs> and it goes back, right? And I close my hand, it pops out again. And that as they are attending the guy. So I know I have little time to fix that because my hand cannot close. And I cannot show it to the doctor because they're going to stop the fight. So I shout to my corner, coach, I broke my thumb. He goes, put it back in the place. And I said, I already did. So what? So it came out again. And then he goes, put it back in. <laughs> right? So I'm like, well, you know, so I, I'm not a doctor, right? So I just jerk and push and shove that thing. And then I heard something pop inside. Okay, fine. Close my hand. Yeah, stay in place. Get on with the fight, right? So I had to grapple because of it. I threw some punches and then I felt my hand, my thumb loose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was, I don't know what I was afraid of that you would fall or something. But then after, you know, I went to surgery and all that, you know, the doctor t- told me after the x-ray mm-hmm. that my bone actually dislocated out. And when I put it back in, I broke it. So it was broken inside, was dislocated. So when I put it back in, it dislocated again. So I did it stronger and I broke half of the bone inside of my thumb. Mm-hmm. So it broke in this direction. Like it's hard for me to show you because I'm holding the phone. Yeah. But basically I broke my own thumb. Yeah. Oops. And, yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it doesn't matter. I, I want to fight, you know? So I think that goes, you know, if you're sitting at home and thinking about, something to do and something is in your way, but it's not incapacitating you. You just go and do it, you know, just suck it up and whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't have to be something sports related. If you need to face someone, if you need to talk to someone, if you need to say sorry, you know, just face it, you know, hiding and, uh, and uh, running from it or giving up is not going to solve anything. Never. That message, that is a big part of my approach to the environment. You know, for generations, for a good hundred years, people have known what was coming. And everyone kept saying, well, it's not that bad yet. Someone later will figure this out. Yeah. Right. Now our backs are to the wall and we can't, I mean, people can still keep pushing off. Even as we see California on fire, even as we see Europe flooded like crazy, even as we have storms bigger than ever, back to back 500 year storms, people are still like, Mm, hopefully someone else will figure that one out. And what you just said is what compels me. Like, do I really want to have a podcast on, like as a child, it's like, I want to have a podcast on the environment. No, I'd much rather be, you know, maybe raising kids. I I don't even think about that now because I think of the earth is just, it's a very common thing. I'm sure we've all seen the headlines of like kids today are thinking, no, I don't want to have kids because I'm already myself Someone born today, someone who's like 10 years old now is, has got the message that they could be really facing a horror show in their future. I mean, yes. hundreds of millions, billions of people dying, billions of people as climate refugees, and just climate being one of many issues. I mean, 
when I, I was a child, we could go to the beach and see no plastic on the beach. Now, forget it. People fly around the world itself, a destructive act, to go to places where, you know, maybe in Bali, it'll be a pristine beach. And they go to Bali and it's even dirtier. Why? Because of exactly what they're doing. You know, that mindset. And the mindset that you described of something has to be done. I can put it off, but, or I can act. Yeah. And like I said, that, that, that should work for anything, anything, whatever it is, especially, especially for something as important as the environment, like you are describing now. And here's what, here's what I bring that I think, because of what I said, that everyone has this intrinsic connection with nature, that here's what they don't get is when they act on it, it's going to bring joy. I mean, for me, it's joy. You, I heard you say joy. For others, it might be playfulness or, you know, wonder or discovery or something, but it's, people think it's going to be this horror show. Oh, I'm going to have to give up flying. I'm not going to get to do what I wanted to do. They're not thinking of what they get to do. Like before, when you might, I think if I remember right, when we were talking and I said, I invited you to think of something you could do. And you said, I'll get back to you. I think you said that you like we did. I had to hold you to it for a bit before you hit on uh-huh. getting a plant. So before you hit on getting the plant, it was like, oh, you didn't know if there was an, if there was a, uh, on the other side of the struggle, maybe a small mental struggle, but a struggle nonetheless. You didn't know if on the other side, there'd be something you'd be glad you reached. I did because I've talked to so many people. I've walked so many people through that process. So I didn't mind holding you to it and saying, let's stick with this in this call, not you'll call me back and tell me how it goes because then you'll forget. And then now that you know, I, I think I heard you say, you're, you're thinking about your next plant, the cherry tomato. So you want to do more. If I hear you right. Yes. And yes. people don't there realize right. what's on the other side of that, of that struggle, however minor or major it may seem, that no one gets to the other side when they act on their values. For you, it was a plant. For others, you know, it might be picking up litter or it might be cooking or it might be, you know, whatever it is for them. When they start doing it, it's like really great. And then they realize that can permeate the rest of their life. I predict that if I talk to you in a year, two years, five years from now, your connection with nature will, will increase. It'll increase every year, every day. I have no doubt about that because I, I'm loving suffering. Well, all right, let's leave a cliffhanger for everyone. And uh, I have homework to watch Into the Wild, particularly listening to the soundtrack. And I'm curious to hear, let's say, will we have a third episode? Sure, sure. I am, I am loving this. I like it. You know, I don't get to talk a lot. So no, this is being fun to talk. You know, I don't. I literally don't get to talk a lot other than in my classes. So yeah, I I, I like it. Absolutely, you do it. You said you speak with your body. <laughs> yes, I speak through my actions, and that's how people should do it. You know, that's what people should do. It they should do more and talk less. Well, I know when you said when you talk about shirt off. When I was a kid and I was chubby. And my stepbrother would like, grab my nipples and go like, titty twister, and make fun of my, <laughs> of my fat. And as I got more into sports, I remember for the first time, I'd wear shirts and I'd cut them, like I'd cut the sleeves off all the way down to like, yeah, my waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you could see more of my body. And then lately, as I've lifted more and gotten more fit, it feels really good. And I realized, people used to say, why do you wear clothes that are too big for you? Looking back, I wanted to cover myself up. I was... It's not shy. It was shame and certainly not pride. It was, what's the word? Like, I wasn't comfortable. I didn't want people to see me. You know, I would think of, well, there's me as my thoughts. That's the me that I'm expressing, but this body is not really me. That's how I felt. 
or it's not a me that I'm proud of. And now it's the opposite. It's like, I want clothes that fit. I want clothes that reveal me. I want to show off this is who I am. And I have to acknowledge that I'm in society and I can't walk around with like, walk, I'm not going to walk outside naked or in, in my underwear. But I think a lot of us are afraid of expressing ourselves of who we really are, like our bodies. Yes, uh, and, uh, and that goes exactly to what I said. You are not comfortable on it before, in it before, right? You have to take some action. You know? It doesn't mean that uh, everybody needs to look in a certain way. You don't. There's, no, there's not a certain way that you have to, to make your body uh, appear to be. You, know? you just have to find, to find a way to feel comfortable on it. And sometimes uh, when you start going back at when it's exercise, when you start exercising, you start for your health. When you start uh, create getting a simple plan, you start. I started because someone hold me to it. But then in exercising, you have consequences to it. You start feeling better about your own body. In creating a plan, I start suddenly thinking more, spending more time thinking and caring for something, you know, other than myself. <laughs> So it always, any kind of a struggle that you pass through, like you said, it will bring back a lot of things to you. When you said that you're not traveling anymore in planes, remember telling me the next, last episode, what you learned from that is you had a lot of good time traveling in different ways, right? Yeah, biking and walking, and yeah, taking the train across the country. Yeah, that that. That sounds way better than taking a plan and playing, you know, at least to me. Yeah. So yeah, when uh, you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, something that you are not uh, used to do it and you still go through with it and you have something waiting for you after, for sure. Some sort of reward. That might be a good place to close, but I'll ask you, is there any message you want to leave with other, or is that good or do you, anything else to say to the listeners? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I let's move, guys. Let's uh, let's do whatever you have to do, you know, to achieve whatever you set out to do, or fears you're facing, or struggles you're facing. You just, you know, don't hide from it. You put your head up, open your chest, and go and face it, and do whatever needs to be done. Cheers. Cassiano, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate.